Hello humans, what's good boy? Chris Bunderhog here with Alex Freddy Williams for another edition of Wrestling Hostile. Alex, how are you, mate? I'm doing great, man. Doing great. This is a day I've been looking forward to for a long time. JXT, 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 <laughs> JXT, JXT. If you could actually see me right now, I'm legitimately wearing a JXT t-shirt. Hang so. on, I'll go grab me JXT glow sticks and turn those on. Yeah, I have a couple somewhere too. <laughs> yeah, so I suppose we're here to talk another edition of Fallout Down Under for MCW Ballroom Brawl 2018. Yeah, man. This is a choice of mine. I specifically just wanted to have a good chance to talk about how I'm a unbiased mark for JXT, but also like... This is an interesting time period because this direction after this show seems to be setting, like, you know, someone up for the long term. But a few months later, he's not even with the company anymore just because they decided they didn't need him anymore. So it's a weird, weird time for MCW. Yeah. Um, I suppose we need to do a bit of a disclaimer before we start our discussions. Yeah, there's a few cancelled wrestlers um, on this card. A few massive pieces of you-know-what, to be honest. We're just reviewing this as a show, as it happened. We do not condone any of the actions of these men. And quite frankly, I'll be doing my best to avoid even mentioning their names as often as I can anyway. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. In the case of reviewing some of these older, well, not even that old, some of these more recent shows, we're going to stumble across a couple of problems like this, I guess. Yeah, and I knew we were going to bump into one, but I completely forgot about um, some of this progress crossover as well. I completely forgot that was on this card. So, yeah, we bumped into a couple. Yeah. Yeah, again, to reiterate Alex's point there, we're not in any way condoning anyone's actions. We're just simply talking about the wrestling as it happened. Yeah, we're just talking about what is in front of us as a product. So, yeah, we are not condoning any of these massive pieces of, you know, and, yeah, we're just judging the product in front of us. Yeah, indeed. So from there, this was the first of a doubleheader part of the three-night tour of progress. Did you happen to watch both nights? No, um, I never saw the MCW X progress show because they never had it on their Vimeo. Yeah, it is available on the um, progress uh, on-demand service or it's available on the MCW pivot share service. Is this on the Australian Wrestling Network now? Not sure. I haven't fully checked that one out yet. Yeah, I, I honestly didn't bother to go back and check this one out at all, to be honest. But it is something that is quite interesting. Like uh, Pete Dunne's choice of opponent in this card, it's it's different, that's for sure. Yeah, so I suppose I can just run down some of the results here for the, the first night, and then we can talk a bit more in depth about the uh, the second night where you also watched. So it is the 20th of April 2018 for MCW X Progress from the Formbury Theatre in Formbury, Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. Jim Smallman addresses the crowd before the show, and on commentary tonight is Lord Andy Coyne with 
Matt Richards from Progress and Jim Smallman doing the ring announcing duties. Opening contest, a three-way match for the MCW Intercommonwealth Championship. Goes about nine minutes with Slex the champion defeating Lockie Hendricks and Trent Seven. Match number two, a no disqualification match. Goes about 10 minutes with Alan Payne defeating Jimmy Havoc. And in the post-match, Julian James invites Alan Payne to join Helter Skelter. Very good. Third, a singles match for the Progress Women's Championship. Goes about nine minutes with Tony Storm, the champion, retaining against Kellyanne. In the post-match, Indy Hartwell runs down and attacks Kellyanne, but Tony Storm makes a save, and there's a sign of respect between Kellyanne and Tony Storm. Fourth, a singles match non-title with the MCW heavyweight champion, Dowie James, defeating Tyler Bate in about 14 minutes. Uh, they then showed a clip of the Rappel winner, a little kid, Owen, dressed up as a Joker, Finn Balor, Fergal Devitt in the ring. Match number five, also non-title, featured WWE United Kingdom champion Pete Dunne defeating Mike Burr in around 15 minutes. Then an in-ring talking segment, Mr. Juicy talking up about how the Aussies had competed recently on WrestleMania and were going to compete at PWG's Battle of Los Angeles. Thanks all the past guests from New Japan and tonight's guests from Progress. Talks up how good the locker room is before thanking the fans and talking up his last opportunity match, which is the main event tomorrow night. The co-main event, match six, a tag team match for the MCW Tag Team Championship. Goes about nine minutes with the prehistoric Def Cult, that's Caveman, Ugg and Sid Parker, the champions with Erica Reid in their corner, defeating Helter Skelter, Ali and Jake Andrew Arthur with Julian James in their corner. And the main event, match number seven of the night, a three-way elimination match for the Progress World Championship. Travis Banks, the champion, versus Elliot Sexton versus JXT. At the 10-minute mark, Elliot Sexton eliminates JXT. And at the 20-minute mark, Travis Banks pins Elliot Sexton to remain champion. Uh, any quick questions there from the first of the two nights? Uh, what matches are worth checking out? I'd say Tony Storm, Kellyanne's a good watch. Uh, yep. The Slex, Lockie Hendricks, Trent Seven opener for the Inter-Commonwealth Championship. Yeah. The Non-title Pete Dunne, Mike Burr match I really enjoyed, also because I'm a fan of Mike Burr. Yeah, it's um, a pretty cool thing that Mike Burr got the nod to go up against the Pete Dunne because, you know, more often than not, they'd pick the flashy up-and-comer on the Australian scene to go up against the flashy up-and-coming international. But this time they chose a veteran, and that's a really good choice, you know? Give him some props. Yeah, absolutely. And also the co-main event, I really enjoyed the prehistoric death cult versus Helter Skelter. Man, I missed the prehistoric death cult. The whole presentation of the three of them was so good. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You didn't watch um, Darwin. Oh, jeez, I'm going to get it wrong again. The Darwin wrestling, just say that. Yeah, the wrestling from... Darwin, where they had the um, three of them in the third Super Triad series. No, uh, I didn't see that. I keep, I keep forgetting to make note of going to watch that because I love all three of these, these people. Like Caveman Ugg's fantastic. The whole world sort of slowly getting exposed to Caveman Ugg, but Sid Parker's just ridiculously good, and Erica Reed is just probably the most underrated. Like. 
Australian wrestler on the scene at the moment, like regardless of gender. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there as well. Any sort of questions or anything else from Night One MCW X Progress? No, honestly, I had no idea JXT was in the Progress World Title match in the main event. Jeez, your boy. Yeah, I had no idea. Um, he got eliminated first, so that's heartbreaking. But he has a big night coming ahead, so we might as well dig into the ballroom brawl. Yes, indeed. So it is the 21st of April 2018 for Melbourne City Wrestling's ballroom brawl event from the Formbury Theatre in Formbury, Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. Uh, so show opens with a hype video previewing Dowie James versus... Mr. Juicy Juno Gambino in Juno's last opportunity match for the MCW Heavyweight Championship. Commentary tonight is Lord Andy Coyne, Lindsay Howard, and Sebastian Walker, with Lord Andy Coyne also doing ring announcing duties. So we go into the matches themselves. First match was a tag team match, goes about 13 minutes. It is the team of Mustache Mountain, Trent Seven, and Tyler Bate defeating the Brat Pack. Mitch Waterman and Mick Berry, who had Avery in their corner. Uh, any quick thoughts on that match? Like, it's such a huge opportunity for a team like the Brat Pack, and it was really awesome to see these guys get this sort of chance. It kind of felt, I don't know if this is controversial to say or not, but it kind of felt like Trent Seven and Tyler Bate were kind of phoning it in a little bit. Um... Like, they couldn't really care less. They were just out there to just sort of muck around and goof off and stuff. Maybe they were taking it a bit easier this night because it wasn't a progress night and they still had another progress night in Sydney to go. Yeah, it, that's my theory as well. Um, I think but, they did four four shows across five days. Yeah, this might have been their, like, if this was the G1, this was their Yano match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, still a really good match, though, and it did sort of shine a spotlight on the Brat Pack. You could see, yeah, it was late last year they got called up for um, Ring of Honor over in the UK, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And um, also last year we had uh, the big sexy unit, Nick Berry, show up in a New Japan show as well. Oh, that's right, yeah. One of the, <laughs> the few Aussie wrestlers who can say wrestled in Festival Hall this past decade. Yeah, exactly. And uh, man, did WH Park hate Nick Berry. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was talking to him about that. He didn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's supposed to look like that. He's a bogan footy player. Yeah. I guess um, Nick Berry's gimmick doesn't really work well. For anyone outside of Australia, I don't reckon. Maybe not, but then you But could... man, it's good in Australia. <laughs> Looking at Japanese wrestlers then for a minute, does Juice's gimmick currently work for him? I don't even know what he is. The <laughs> Blues brother, isn't he? I guess. I don't know. I hate it. But yeah, I, I don't think... I don't think it's working for anyone in Japan or outside of it. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, so from there, we go to a video. It is Men for Hire with Hawkeye explaining to Camby his strategy for the ballroom brawl. It says, uh, next is Tom Flip. No, Tom Flip. No, Trombone Felic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot how much I loved Men for Hire. 
so good. He also explains like he doesn't need to worry about JXT, and like Candy goes, "Why?" And like Hawkeye's going, "Oh, because Hulk Hogan hates JXT." Yeah, he does. <laughs> what? Uh, Hulk Hogan blocked JXT on Twitter, and like every now and then, JXT will just like put out a bit of a campaign to get Hollywood Hogan to unblock him on Twitter. Oh, that's right. He's big into the NWO. Yeah, he's huge into it. I even um, sent JXT a spare Hollywood Hogan figure I had. <laughs> and then I like left like a little note saying, you're blocked on Twitter, but you can have me in your toy collection or something like that. Oh, man. Yeah, so looking at some of this, it's like made me forget. And like, this is only a year and a half ago, all this stuff, like men for hire. Yeah, yeah, man. I think they dropped the ball on Camby. I think he's like, I'm not asking him to be in the main event or even like semi main or anything like that, but he is fun. He's great at his gimmick. Him and Hawko have great chemistry. Like, great at Jake Lindo. Yeah, and Jake Lindo, like, I saw a Jake Lindo and Camby Crawford tag match against the Brat Pack for Mayhem Pro in person, and it was so much fun. Like, it's not a technical classic or anything, but it's just really fun to be in the crowd for. And, yeah, I feel like they dropped the ball on these guys. Like, how can you hate Campbell Crawford and then you turn him heel? Like He's an Anderson. Yeah. Oh, wait, wrong promotion. Yeah, wrong promotion. That's Camby Anderson on Wrestle Rock. But now he's what, Atlas Whitaker or something in MCW with. Uh, oh, that's right, yeah. With, with um, TD and um, uh, the guy that used to be with Cousin Ali. <laughs> I forgot his name now. Yeah, I know who you mean. It's just completely blank from my mind at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, so from there, would you like to talk about match number two? Yeah, let's get into it. Um, uh, a gimmick I greatly miss. Yes, it is. Mike Burr with Merch Girl Emily versus Loverboy Locker Hendricks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, I love Lockie Hendricks during this time. Yeah. Jeez. Like, looking back and then looking what we got at the start of this year, it's, yeah. I feel like they might have missed the boat on Lockie Hendricks as well. But. They sort of I've, put themselves in a corner there with this whole Uncle Paul thing. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was a very strange decision to do that, especially considering what the payoff was. Like, there might have been, like, legit reasons for why Lucky Hendricks needed to take some time off, which he did. But, man, um, he sort of lost all of his heat from that whole angle. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Lucky, like, was dating Emily, the merch girl, when he was teaming with Cracker Jack. This is not long after... He's retired Cracker Jack, so he's still stealing a few of Cracker Jack's moves here and there, like the uh, Britney Spear. So during this match, the referee's knocked down. Um, Lockie gets a chair, goes to use it on Mike Burr, who's down in the ring. Emily gets in the ring, takes the chair off Lockie, and then 
Miami runs in, making her reef debut, attacks both Emily and Burr, allying herself with Lockie, and as the referee wakes up, he counts the pin for Lockie, who gets the win in around 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, we're building a absolute devious heel here in Lockie Hendricks, and yeah, it's fantastic. Um, have you seen any of the latest developments of uh, lockdown Lockie Hendricks? As I'm naming him right now, I think he should go with that. No, sorry. So MCW has recently started doing a podcast. And uh, their first episode had Lockie Hendricks on it. And basically the episode ended with like Lockie Hendricks like going into his gimmick and then like getting offended about something and that to cut the episode short. It's a kayfabe podcast at times. I hate that. Yeah, I was just going to say if it's very kayfabe it doesn't sound like something I'd enjoy too much. No, no. Um, That was the only one that was really kayfabe Like, they had Slex on and Adam Brooks on after after those one after the Lucky Hendricks one, and it was much better as a much more real discussion. So Lucky Hendricks this week, as we're recording this, did a stream on Twitch with um another Aussie wrestler, something Villani or something from Melbourne. I think he's part of the Academy or something. Okay, anyway, it doesn't ring a bell straight off the top of my head. Yeah, uh, I th- I think he's part of the academy. I could be wrong. Who knows? But um, he did a sh- he did a stream with him on Twitch, and they were discussing. And then Lockie Hendricks goes into his guru gimmick, and he's like, "For me to reach enlightenment, I have to be just me." And then he's just like, "I can't do this anymore, man." And he starts laughing and laughing. It's just like, this is just terrible. I hate it. I can't do this anymore. And he keeps laughing and then just the stream cuts off. <laughs> so I think they're doing something with Lockie Hendricks where he's about to go full, like, Brian Pillman, loose cannon, like, breaking kayfabe, like, that sort of thing, <laughs> where they're just completely turning around on the guru Lockie Hendricks gimmick. So that's good. Yeah, I suppose it'll be interesting to see because we've had, geez, since the start of February, we haven't had any MCW. We've had no, no MCW girl this year. We've had no uh, Wrestle Rock this year. Yeah. So yeah, be- it's crazy. It, it It's crazy to think that, like, in February, it seemed like they were setting up, like, a massive, like, Chaos versus Bullet Club multi-man match for MCW. Remember that? That's right, yeah. Osprey versus Gambino. Yeah, and like Gambino was going to bring in Farley and teasing a few other people and yeah. G-O-D, maybe. Yeah, like I think Farley and G.O.D. were probably the safe bet on that one and God knows who Osprey would have brought in from Chaos. Gosh, I would have and- loved- Nichols. Yeah, yeah, Eagles, probably Mikey Nichols, but God, because Mikey's a part of it, isn't he? Yeah, he's in chaos. Yeah, so you easily bring in Eagles and um, Mikey Nichols, but like, man, I would have loved it, would have loved it if he brought in Yano. 
you laugh out, but a lot of people would actually enjoy that. I know. I, I think it would actually be fantastic. Like, Yano and MCW would be fantastic, like, for a one-off. Um, yeah. Who would you uh, pair him with, then? Like, in a singles or in a tag match, who would you pair him against? Gino. Gino. Yeah. G- yeah. Gino let his inner juicy out and they could do a bit of ha ha together. Yeah, that's true. Um yeah. Uh I, I think Yano and Gino Gambino going 10, 15 minutes would actually be hilarious. Um but yeah, like I was positive at the start of this year we were going to get a bloody caged warfare or whatever the MCW version of War Games was. They did that one time with Team MCW versus TMB. Right. We were discussing this around the same time. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. Pretty, it's called caged warfare. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I was positive we were going to get that out of Chaos and Bullet Club. Like it's crazy. Like what we've missed out on because of this godforsaken gosh darn it pandemic um yeah but wow we went way off topic <laughs> lucky hendrix beat mike burr <laughs> yeah what are your thoughts on mike burr i didn't get him at first because like i started watching mcw like from maybe a year or two before this, like just going back and watching from about 2016 onwards. And like at that point, he was like, just pretty much the respected veteran that sort of put over the young guys, basically. But since then, I've sort of gone back and like had a look at some of his earlier stuff and I get it. And you know what? He usually like... He's very good at what he does, even to this day. Like, he's not going to be winning titles or anything like that these days. His pretty much role in the company is to help make stars, and he does a very good job of it. So, like, I didn't get him at first, but I get it now. Fair enough. Uh Following that, there was a video with Vance Adams talking up his return and his chances for tonight's ballroom brawl. Third match of the night, a singles match non-title featuring Progress Women's Champion Tony Storm versus Avery. Um, do you have any real thoughts on this match here? Man, this was this was just fun seeing this, especially with hindsight. Um like commentators were like talking about how Avery is kind of just a younger version of Tony Storm. Like, and I sort of saw it as like Avery is just the heel version of Tony Storm. And I loved this pairing. Yeah, absolutely. Didn't Tony come back to Wrestle Rock recently? Like, yeah. and I mean, recently as in last year. <laughs> yeah, she did. Um, did she I... face there? I can't recall off the top of my head. Uh, I'll just search it up. Yeah, so I thought this was a really fun match, and it's weird to see Avery like in this stage where she's sort of just starting to to make a presence for herself on the um regular 
women's matches on MCW. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, by the way, Tony Storm took on Avery again at Wrestle Rock. Yeah, that's what I was thinking off the top of my head, and it's weird to see that one there. Yeah, they did a thing in Wrestle Rock where they just pretty much brought in international females to fade to Avery, basically. Uh, uh, Scarlet. I, Scarlet. Fallen uh, Fright. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, it wasn't Wrestle Rock. It was another MCW show that they brought in Session Moth yeah. Martina. Oh, no, that was Brewery Brawl. Yeah, it was an MCW show. Yeah, I thought so. And they actually uh, had a blinder. It was so good. They've had, did they have Jordan Grace at one of the girls' shows? Possibly. They've had Tessa at one of the girls' shows. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure she was fun to deal with. Who knows? Um, yeah, so the match goes about eight minutes with Tony Storm getting the win here, even though it was non-title. Uh, pretty good match, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely good fun. Um, like, this match is nothing compared what to what they do like a bit over a year later for Wrestle Rock. Like it just shows like how far Avery comes within that year. Yeah, absolutely. Next was the fun time Phil open challenge. So Phil's in the ring demanding a match with anyone from the locker room. And we hear the music of Jimmy Havoc. <laughs> so Phil goes, oh, sugar. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, th- this was like, say what you will about Jimmy Havoc, blah, blah, blah. We addressed that at the start of the show. But, man, this was a highlight of this show for me. This was so entertaining, so much fun. And it was all entirely because of fun time, Phil. He goes to put his hand out and goes, can we just call this square, you know, go backstage and get a beer? Jimmy goes to shake him with one hand and then pulls his staple gun out from his back pocket and staples his forehand and goes, how about we get a beer after I beat you in a no DQ match? And this uh this match has some of my favorite bits of commentary for one of the most ridiculous spots I've ever seen. So they're brawling uh, around ringside, brawl out near the crowd, brawl back into the ring, there's like your weapons there, a couple of chairs, and then all of a sudden Phil pulls out a weapon. <laughs> chips, chips, chips! It's crinkle cut <laughs> and it's salt and vinegar. So the crinkles are going to cut into your flesh and the salt and vinegar is, the salt and vinegar is going to sting the wounds. <laughs> it was just like, you know what? Commentary just like they got handed a pile of chicken, you know what? And they made beautiful chicken salad out of that one. Like, commentary was fantastic here. And then he pulls out some Doritos. And they're like, oh, it's basically thumbtacks. They're so sharp and pointy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty fun, entertaining sort of comedy mixed with hardcore match. Goes about 10 minutes with Jimmy Havoc getting the win over Funtime Phil. Yeah, and it is not the last we'll talk about this because there was a good continuation of this later on as well. The next video following the match was the official announcement of the MCW Wrestling Academy coming soon. Man, that's crazy saying that. Yeah, and I think, who was it? Is it Jet that's sort of the main 
one that's come out of there. Jet Ruger so, and uh, Tyson, Tyson Baxter as well, yeah. Are the main two that they were sort of pushing at the um, end of last year, beginning of this year. Yeah, it looked like they were probably going to get a tag title run at some point, I think. Yeah, what do they call themselves? Mole High Club? Yeah, I think so, and that's a dubious name, if so. It was either Mile High or Sky High Club or something like that. Something High Club. Um, from there, we go on to match number five of the night. It is a singles match, champion versus champion non-title. So it is the MCW Inter-Commonwealth Champion, Slex, who comes out first, versus the WWE United Kingdom Champion, Pete Dunne, who comes out second. I love this pose down at the start of the match. Pete Dunne's walking around like his bruiserweight thing. He's got the title strap hanging out of his mouth. Slex yeah. walks over with his sunnies on, puts it in his mouth, and they're both staring down to one another. Yeah, <laughs> that was so good. Like... Man, did like they brought in a massive star here for Slex, and Slex ends up looking just as big of a star as the well, technically a WWE champion at the time. So, yeah, this was a really good match. Highly recommend going and checking it out back and forth most of the way. In the end, Pete Dunn gets the win here after 15 minutes. Yeah, very, very good match. In the post-match, there's a standing ovation from the crowd and then a sign of respect from both men in the ring as Pete Dunne exits, giving the ring to Slex. Alex, it is time for the Brawl Room Brawl. Hell yeah. (laughs) I love a good rumble match, and I love, like, when they do these stat videos. Yeah. So they list off a bunch of stats here. Uh, Slex was the person who drew number one in the first ballroom brawl in 2012. The longest single time in a ballroom brawl is Slex from 2012 at 36 minutes and 50 seconds. The longest combined time in a ballroom brawl is Mr. Juicy at 60 minutes, 26 seconds. From the past six ballroom brawls, 65 competitors and former champions have competed. Of that, 17 were tag team champions, six were inter-commonwealth champions, and eight were heavyweight champions. The person to compete in the most ballroom brawls is Mike Burr with five. And three women have entered previously, Vixen, Miami, and Casey Cassidy, who got the fastest elimination in 2013 when she eliminated Nate Dooley in six seconds. And for those uneducated, who is KC Cassidy? Now Peyton Royce. Yeah, man. Um, I went back and sort of looked, watched some of the KC Cassidy stuff, and yeah, very, very good. Did you watch the um, the match mixed tag her and Gino? I saw a, I saw an intergender match with her against Crackers. Yeah. And it was fantastic. It was so good. Oh, man. A um, couple of other stats here was the most combined eliminations was Tommy Hellfire at 15. Most single eliminations in a brawler room brawl was Jonah Rock with 10 in 2017. That's last year. Shortest cash-in time was Jonah Rock who cashed in last year on the same night against Dowie James and Mr. Juicy. 
17 is the most lucky number producing two winners and the most time someone has been a runner-up before was JXT with three, finishing runner-up in 2015, 2016 and 2017. Four winners have gone on to win the MCW Heavyweight Championship, that being Carlo Cannon, Elliot Sexton, Gino Gambino and Jonah Rock. Yeah, four out of five at that point, I believe. Um, yeah. Man, I wish they made it five out of six. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it is time for the seventh annual ballroom brawl match, which is a 20-man rumble. So um, traditional rules apply. New entrance about 90 seconds apart. Uh, Got to be eliminated to go over the top rope with both feet hitting the floor. Entrant number one is JXT. The J stick. My boy! <laughs> Person who drew number two was Jake Lindo. And um, magic- he's not, he is not as much of a my boy, but man, I love Jake Lindo as well. <laughs> Little sidetrack, like, or when he was doing Wrestle Rock, like how it's called the Hardcore Hotel when they run Wrestle Rock at the Corner Hotel in Richmond. Yeah. Because his whole gimmick sort of uh sort of like a playboy sort of character. Yeah, it's like a uh, Rick Rude Val Venus crossover. Yeah. <laughs> he goes out and he calls it the Horny Hotel. Yeah, I love that. Uh Jake Lindo's very good. So uh they begin fighting, the match starts. Entrant number three, no eliminations yet, is Lockie Hendricks, who comes down with Miami by ringside. We continue on. Entrant number four was Campbell Crawford, who has Hawko by ringside. Entrant number five, a quarter the way through the match. No eliminations yet as Vance Adam joins. Uh, we continue on. Entrant number six was TD, the former tag team partner of Lockie Hendricks when they were the world's friendliest tag team, winning the championships before in MCW. They begin brawling with each other. And Lockie Hendricks is eliminated first by TD, who in the process also eliminates himself. Man, TD got like a huge pop for that. Like his his appearance in this, huge surprise pop. Yeah, like considering like it was a fair number of years, I think, between appearances. Yeah, it'd been at least a couple. Yes, indeed, it had been. Um, we've had our first two eliminations. Lockie Hendricks is out, as is TD. Continue on. Entry number seven is Ali of Helter Skelter. Entrant number eight is Mike Burr. We then have our third elimination. Jake Lindo is eliminated by JXT. My boy. <laughs> I'm just going to say that every time you bring up his name now. <laughs> Who, JXT? My boy. <laughs> We continue on. Entry number nine is Jake Andrew Arthur of Helter Skelter. So the two big men of Helter Skelter have joined the match. Number 10, the party boy, Jax Jordan from Wagga Wagga. Or, as Andy Coyne tried to say, yeah. Wagga Wagga. Yeah. Oh, man. I had no idea Jax was from Wagga. So that's, that's cool. Um, I used to go to Wagga for work a lot. Well, back in the days when I used to have to go to work <laughs> instead of work coming to me. But um, 
Yeah, I, I had no idea Jax was from Wagga, and you know, this is like fresh bait sort of blue chipper Jax Jordan. He sort of comes into his own as of late. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of interesting to see where he'd go, especially in PWA. So at the halfway mark, we have JXT, Campbell Crawford, Vance Adams, Ali, Mike Burr, Jake Andrew Arthur, and Jax Jordan. Entry number 11 is Alan Payne, who's accompanied by Julian James of Helter Skelter. And then there's a lot of eliminations. Next out was Vance Adams, who was eliminated by Ali. Campbell Crawford is also eliminated at the same time by Jake Andrew Arthur. Next, Jax Jordan is eliminated by Ali, Jake Andrew Arthur, and Alan Payne in a double crucifix powerbomb into a backflip. Yeah, let, let's ran. talk let's talk about this. Like, man, Jax Jordan. Woo, hell of a bump. Um, that was amazing. Such a cool looking visual. I'm sure Jax was feeling that one for a couple of weeks after this. Yeah, yeah. Probably would have been sore just landing straight on the ramp there. Yeah, just a crazy bump. So then as Helter Skelter is celebrating in the ring, almost clearing out everyone, Jake and Ali are talking over the ropes to Julian James. Alan Payne runs up from behind, eliminating Jake, Andrew, Arthur and Ali almost simultaneously before throwing himself over the top rope onto the members of Helter Skelter and <laughs> escapes through the crowd. All right, let's 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 have a little chat here because I forgot how much I love Alan Payne. Like, he's so good and he's so cool. And, like, like, if I was a kid watching wrestling still, like, the same reason I loved Psycho Sid or I loved Stone Cold Steve Austin is the exact same reason why I would be a massive Alan Payne fan if I was a kid watching this. Like, it's so good, and he's got such a good look, and he's, like, huge, and he's jacked, and, man, like, I I don't know what he's been up to since around this time period, but, like, he doesn't have many MCW appearances after this. Like, highly underutilized talent. Yeah, I'd sort of have to agree there as well. I did see him live, I'm pretty sure, when I went down for New Horizons. Um, yeah, he is so much fun. He's like crazy, like unstable character. It's just so good. And like everything he did in this like ballroom brawl was like just absolutely perfect and just stood out for me. I'd have to agree. So as we approach number 12, Mike Burr and JXT are down in the ring. Number 12, Stevie's better as Stevie Philip enters the match. Number 13, Jimmy Havoc. And quickly, Jimmy Havoc eliminates Stevie Philip, taking it down to Jimmy Havoc, Mike Burr, and JXT. Entry number 14, Funtime Phil, who's crawling his way out to the ring, bandaged up from his open challenge earlier in the night. Phil gets in the ring and goes to attack Jimmy Havoc but falls flat on his face. Oh, man. Phil, like, coming out. He's got the bandage on his head. He's still beat up. Oh, it was just perfect. Like, this is such a good night for Funtime Phil because 
he just like stole the show for me on this night. Number 15 is Mitch Waterman of the Brat Pack, followed shortly behind by number 16, Nick Berry of the Brat Pack. We then have the next elimination. Funtime Phil goes to run at Nick Berry, who low bridges the ropes, and Phil goes over the top rope, eliminating himself in the process. It's the perfect end to the Funtime Phil story in the ring for tonight anyway. Next, the Brat Pack members, Mitch Waterman and Nick Berry, team up and eliminate Mike Barrett. Number 17 is Tom Philippe, one of the favourites. Followed next by number 18, Caveman Ugg. Ugg quickly goes after the Brat Pack, eliminating Nick Berry and Mitch Waterman almost simultaneously. Number 19, a surprise entrant from Progress is Trent Seven. Caught me off guard. Yeah. Well, he had competed at um, MCW the year before or the year before that in the um, Invitational Tournament at the Anniversary Show. Yeah, and uh, we got a whole lot of fun involving Trent Seven and Jimmy Havoc at this point. Trying for the Acid Rainmaker and the um, like Lariat and kept getting blocked. Yeah, they just kept dosy doing each other, basically, for a couple of minutes. And then there was, like, that one point where Trent Seven gets knocked out. I can't even remember who by. He's in a fighting position, and he gets knocked out, and he falls perfectly backwards, but he's still knocked out, and he's still in the fighting position on the ground. So then Jimmy Havoc sort of just perfectly lifts him up straight and resets Trent Seven. Was it Ugg? It might have been. I can't remember who it was. Like, Jimmy Havoc, like, lifts him up and he goes straight back into fighting position. So, the final entrant, entrant number 20, Elliot Sexton. So, the final six competitors were number one, JXT, number 13, Jimmy Havoc, number 17, Tone Philippe, number 18, Caveman Ugg, number 19, Trent Seven, and number 20, Elliot Sexton. Then we start to get a few quick eliminations. Elliot Sexton, being the bigger and fresher man, eliminates Jimmy Havoc, then Trent Seven, then Caveman Ugg, taking it down to Sexton, Philippe, and JXT. The two men sort of form an alliance, working over JXT in the corner. But all of a sudden, JXT ducks and Tome hits Elliot Sexton by mistake. Sexton goes after Philippe, but JXT capitalizes, eliminating Tome Philippe. Down to Sexton and JXT. JXT gets Sexton over the top rope, but can't quite eliminate him. Back inside the ring, throws Sexton over the top rope for the win in 40 minutes. Yeah! My boy! (laughs) JXT. My boy. Man, what a final six, by the way. Like, some big names at the time. And, like, you got to... Strong up-and-comer and Tome Philippe in there as well. It was a really good finish. I think, like, Elliot Sexton being the final elimination for JXT was very fitting. Like, they have a bit of history. Like, Elliot Sexton basically bullying JXT all the time. Um, and um, eliminated him last night in the three-way match for the Progress World Championship. Yeah, exactly. Like, it... 
there's so much history there. Like JXT's even talked about before that he had a tryout at NXT and he saw Elliot Sexton there and Elliot Sexton snubbed him the whole time. Just because like really? Elliot Yeah, Elliot Sexton like plays into making fun of JXT, but then eventually they catch up later or something. But yeah, Elliot Elliot Sexton, especially before he signed with NXT, spent a lot of time on Twitter like like making fun of JXT and he even blocked JXT at times. They had good fun back and forth or like when JXT used to have his YouTube show, like any film people in the locker room, like Elliot Sexton would always like chime in and like abuse JXT. Yeah, they have a good dynamic. So it was pretty cool that that's the guy JXT eliminates to win. And Man, I, I loved this. There was so many good fun spots in this match. Like, there was certain sections of this match which worked really well. And, yeah, this was fantastic. Oh, I suppose we should mention Elliot Sexton's now known as Brendan Bink in XT. Yeah, or wherever he is. I read a thing recently, and I forgot to discuss this with you on air, uh, off air, but might as well just throw you on the spot on air. I heard a report, and it was like, Elliot Sexton was meant to win the Evolve Championship this year until uh, COVID-19 ruined everything. Really? Yeah, because Elliot Sexton had been doing a fair bit of stuff as Brendan Vink in Evolve before Evolve shut down. And uh, Vink was like sort of a pet project of Gabe Sapolsky in Evolve. So... He was meant to be getting an Evolve title run this year, and that's why they haven't been doing much with him in NXT is because he was doing so much with Evolve. Evolve, shut down, live, WWE Network. Night three! (laughs) (laughs) I can't Uh, can't do the impression as good as Pollock. No. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta have some fun, make ourselves laugh. Yeah, exactly. Back to MCW. Uh, they cut backstage. Bill's resting somewhere. A woman approaches him, says that she's impressed and wants him to call her, saying her name is Aria. Yeah, just the beginning of that little relationship that they sort of end up just completely dropping. But man, yeah. uh, this was this is really good. Like both people acted really well in this. Fun time. Bill was just hilarious in this. Like. Man, he was like a major character on this show. Three times the payday. Yeah, exactly. He got a lot of screen time. He's not even a champion and he's on three times. Yeah, and like, th- this is just before the Wrestle Rock return, isn't it? Uh, don't fact check me, but it's around that time. And they yeah, did the Wrestle, Wrestle Rock comes back mid year. Yeah, and Wrestle Rock comes back and. Funtime Phil wins the Wrestle Rock title in that <laughs> thing. And then he ends up getting, he ends up no showing the Wrestle Rock at Super Showdown to do some extra work for the WWE. And he's no longer featured on Wrestle Rock for a long time. And he's no longer on MCW for a long time. Like he clearly got some serious heat over that. And yeah, it's supposed to be him. him and Marcus for the title. And then <laughs> it was one of the 
Rat Pack. It was Mitch Waterman that ended up winning the title. Because they ended up doing that whole thing, like, um, of Mitch Waterman versus the Russians. Yeah. Yeah, the Russian Jake Andrew Arthur. (laughs) Russian sympathizer. Yeah, exactly. With with that Russian Marcus Pitt. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about Marcus Pitt. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Brigitte. Brigitte was fantastic, by the way. Um, Backstage interviewer for MCW. Oh, my gosh. Her name's blanking on me. Anna Ashley? Anna Ashley. That's it. I'm a big fan of her. Yeah, so leaving Wrestle Rock talk, we go on to the co-main event of the night. It is a singles match. Kellyanne versus Indy Hartwell. Before the bell, Kellyanne runs out and attacks Indy as they brawl around the outside ring area, uh, including Kellyanne hitting Indy in the skull with the skateboard. Kellyanne and Indy Hartwell are Darby Allen before Darby Allen. Oh, jeez. I'm Um, sure Darby Allen was probably doing the gimmick at this time. Maybe. This whole match, a large portion of it, was brawling on the outside before they go in the ring. Goes about five minutes bell to bell with Kellyanne defeating India Hartwell here. Yeah, I, I love I love these two. I love this match. I am unashamedly like a huge Kellyanne fan. Like she's one of my favorites. Uh, my first ever Australian indie show I went to. She. She had a tables match against Vixen, and I thought it stole the show for me. Uh, I loved it. Um, so, yeah, like, JXT is my boy, but Kellyanne's like my gal. Um, yeah, they're, they're 1A and 1B, respectively, for me. So I love that. I love Kellyanne. She's fantastic. Speaking of things that you'd probably love. There was a video next hyping up MCW 99, The Homecoming, with the return of Tennille Dashwood to MCW. Man, I've never seen a video get that loud of a pop before. The only other one I could compare it to would be the Okada pop. The Okada one was huge, yeah. Yeah, I could forget. (laughs) When Slex is in the ring, challenges anyone, they have 24 hours to answer. And then he goes back and you're thinking, oh, it's probably going to be someone like, oh, Fale or Will or, I don't know, maybe a Yano. (laughs) And it's the the main champion from the company who answers. And, yeah, the crowd, as soon as you hear that video, it's just like, what? (laughs) Yeah, it's just like, what am I seeing right now? Uh, did I accidentally have some hallucinogenins before this match? Like, what happened? Did I accidentally, like, fall asleep and I'm having a weird fever dream right now? Yeah. Um. But, yeah, on the Tennille Dashwood return, I think that was one of our first matches back in Australia as well. Yeah, it was. I'm going to... Quickly search who she ended up having a match against. Was it Indy? It was Indy. Yeah, like, from my memory, it was a really good match, too. Um, MCW women's division, so good. Like, it almost guarantees that, like, a women's match is going to steal the show that night. Yeah, I completely agree there. It's just... 
for so long they didn't really have a championship to fight over. So they were all credit to them. They're putting on great matches, but and having good feuds. But after a while, they're just sort of fighting for bragging rights, and that's about all. Yeah, and it's just like you know, having a title is a good excuse to have a feud. And like there was just times where they were just putting two women together and there was no real reason for them to be fighting and no extra stakes to the match. So, yeah. Yeah, it's good that they got the title now, but I think they could have used it like a few years ago, to be honest. Yeah, I 100% agree there as well. Like, you think how impactful this match would have been if, say, Indy was the champion and Tennille's saying, this wasn't around when I was here and I'm a world superstar and I'm coming back to challenge you for that in the main event or whatever. Yeah, or even if you think back to, like, the Kellyanne-Evie matches, like, if they had a title to feud over. Oh, we should do that show next. Yeah. I'm going to strongly suggest, because you get to pick the next Aussie show, I'm going to strongly suggest you either pick that or a Wrestle Rock show. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Uh, after the discussions we've had today, I would love to go back and do a Wrestle Rock show at some point too. So if you don't pick it, I'll probably pick it for my next Aussie pick. Yeah, that whole back catalogue sort of a minefield of going through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I really recommend going back watching MCW 99 with Tennille Dashwood, The Homecoming. Following that is MCW 100 International Showdown, Naito versus Jonah Rock, who's now Bronson Reed from the Aquatic Centre. Yeah, that's such a good match too. That was a huge crowd for that. Um, Yeah, so for their main event of the night, singles match for the MCW Heavyweight Championship, Dowie James, the champion, versus Gino Gambino in a last opportunity match. Early in the match, Dowie does a tope suicida to the outside, ramming Juicy into the guardrails. Does a second one, but cracks his head on the guardrail, busting it open, and is on wobbly legs inside the ring. MC management come down to check on Dowie in the ring. As Juicy is on the outside, but climbs back in the ring, and then Dowie fights away management to continue the match. Um, do you have any thoughts like how they did the... Um, management coming out spot i i actually enjoyed it i thought it was a bit realistic like if you if you are going to tease like a head injury even if it is a gimmicked or like quote-unquote like worked head injury um if you are going to tease something like that you got to make it seem as realistic as possible so that's realistic realistically what would happen i guess but also, um, like, in this day and age, should you be teasing head trauma? Yeah, that was um, my point. Like, in hindsight now, I'm not a fan of this sort of thing. And I would have even liked, because um, I did notice Chris Fresh was there by Dowie. Even if he had a towel to, like, wipe out some of the blood just to make it look like they were attending to him, like they did with um, Samoa Joe in that NXT championship match, I would have liked that a bit more. Yeah. So you're wiping the blood out of his eyes and then looking over him and saying, yep, he can continue. Yeah. Who was that Joe match against Nakamura or Bella? I'm pretty sure it was against Bella. Yeah. yeah it was pretty much the only two people Joe feuded with in NXT, so I was going to be right one way or another. Shortly after, the referee is knocked down inadvertently by Mr. Juicy. And with the ref down, Juicy can't get a pinfall. 
So he goes to the announcer's table, grabs the ring bell, and is conflicted about using it. Decides not to and tosses it out of the ring as the referee is still down. Sebastian Walker then leaves the commentary table, grabs the championship and says to Gino, you want it, you know what to do. As he takes the championship and uses it on Dowie's head behind the referee's back, wakes up the referee and Juicy pins Dowie as the referee counts free and Juicy has done a deal with the devil as he celebrates at the end of the show. Yeah, I um, like the heel turn here. Uh, I like where it goes with Gino. I think he is much better as a heel. Um, as a serious heel or a comedy face. I, it's either way. Like, comedy face Gino is fun. But, like, if you're going to have him be world champion, you want him to be a bit more serious, and this is perfect for him having a title run. Yeah, absolutely as we'd uh, go on to see. Yeah. But, like, even watching this without knowing what's going to happen in the future, like, because there was a time I watched this without knowing what was going to happen, like, the next show or the show after that, I was like, oh, no, this doesn't bode well for JXT because you got a fresh champion with a fresh character. Oh man, this isn't looking good for for the J stick. Yeah. Do you have sort of anything else really to add on for this um MCW ballroom brawl, the second of the two back to back nights for him? Yeah, so this was a really good star making night for JXT in my opinion. Like he came across really well, like Thunderdog Babyface. Goes from start to finish in the brawl and gets the big win. And good pop. Like, everywhere JXT goes, he's always a fairly over babyface because, like, I, I've sort of compared him in the past to, like, an Aussie Ricky Morton. Like, he's just really good at getting sympathy from a crowd. And, yep. like, this is, like, the beginning of an upward trajectory for JXT or so you would think but the next month he pretty much gets killed by Gino Gambino gets put in multi-man opening matches for the next few MCW shows after that and then isn't booked by MCW anymore we spent so much time like it almost made the brawl almost completely pointless because they spent like so so much time talking about like JXT has never won this thing, but he's been runner up, you know, three times in a row, and he's finally getting the win. He's finally done it. Oh, he lost the title match though. Oh, we're not booking him anymore now. Yeah. Like um, yeah, I, I do have a lot of complaints about how he was handled in MCW. Just. Like, it almost made it like a waste of time for the viewer to even care about him. Because they did a really good job of making me care about him. But then it's just like, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, Other than that, I, like, because I've watched this show a couple of times at the time, um, like, there's so much that happens on these two nights that you sort of forget about. The um, Yeah. Prehistoric death cult defense against Helter Skelter. 
you have Pete Dunn versus Mike Firth. That's all on uh, night one. Then you have on night two, you have the setup of uh, Lockie Hendricks with uh, Miami in his corner for the first time. You have um, the Pete Dunn versus Slex champion versus champion match. The uh, ballroom brawl that we talked about. Kelly Ann and Indy Hartwell, two of the cornerstones of the MCW women's division like over the past couple of years and Indy since left the NXT. And of course, the uh, Gino turn turning and aligning himself with uh, Sebastian Walker. Yeah, like we're seeing the rise of uh, Slex slowly becoming the Slex we know and love today and Gino becoming the Gino we know and despise today in MCW. Like, and that ends up becoming like a massive feud in MCW, like huge feud. And yeah. like, yeah, we sort of see like the beginnings of both of those characters sort of on the same night almost. Because this is like the first proper night, like Slex, even though him being a heel, was allowed to sort of stand in the ring and get the praise from the audience. Yeah, Slowly the post-match turn, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have sort of anything else to add there, or should I just list off some of my negative points? Yeah, let's be Debbie Downers. Let's get into it. Um, yeah, so we already mentioned off the top of the show, there's a few questionable people on the show. We're not going to go through and name names again. Again, we're not in any way encouraging any of those people. This is purely from the wrestling event aspect at the time. Yeah, like, come on, guys. Just let me off the hook for this one. I just wanted to pick one of the biggest nights in JXT's career. At one point during the Avery Tony Storm match, Lindsay Howard mentions that commentary took Viagra for this match. Oh, yeah. Sebastian Walker was super creepy about Avery through, through this whole thing. Yeah, but he's like saying, oh, I took my prayers and said my vitamins. And then Lindsay Howard goes, oh, you had some Viagra. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, and, like, Sebastian Walker was talking about how much he wants to pretty much do you-know-what yeah. to Avery. So, yeah, it was all over the shop with um, that particular match. Um, also, this is just, like, a little nitpick, but I hate how Andy announces people as former MCW champion. Like, if you looked at Mustache Mountain during their ballroom brawl entrance at the start of the show, both guys sort of look at each other and go, what the hell, mate? <laughs> and another prime example of this is Kenny Omega when he's in the ring at Fall Out Down Under in Festival Hall, and he's going, he is a former something-something champion, Kenny Omega. And Omega's there waiting to do the gunpoint and looking back at him going, what the hell, mate? Like, I get people are going to say that on commentary, and it's a good point to bring up on commentary, but why are you bringing it up as they're making their entrance? It's like, oh, former champion. Oh. Yeah, I, I've always found that Lord Andy Coyne, fantastic commentator. So, so ring announcer. Um, I 
enjoy it. It's just that one little nitpick that I have that I don't like. Yeah. Like, why are you addressing people as former champion when no one else I know of in any other major company addresses people as former champion when they're doing ring introductions? Yeah, there's, like, exceptions to that rule, but, like, some of the exceptions might be because it's kind of part of their gimmick. Like, when they do it with, like, Ric Flair or something. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The only exception I can think of is someone who's retired or uh, semi-retired Hall of Famer type person. Yeah. Someone who's making their return for the first time. Yeah. Like, (laughs) we saw these guys last night, mate. You don't need to to announce that they're former champions whilst they're mid-entrance, twirling their moustaches and then go, what the hell? Yeah. Um, I suppose from there, do you have a wrestler or wrestlers of the night? I think I know where you're going. Yeah. Uh, my wrestler of the night is Trent. No. Uh, Jack's. No. Uh, it's JXT. Come on, guys. Of course it was going to be JXT. Yeah. Well, in that case, I'm going to have to say. <laughs> You've been giving out a couple of ties lately, so I'm going to still deal off you and do a tie here. I'm going to award it to the team of Helter Skelter. Oh, actually, you know what? That's fine. They were great in this. Does that include Alan Payne? Because he's technically a part of Helter Skelter for this one night. Yes. If Alan that's Payne, fine, then. Jake, Andrew, Arthur... Uh, Lee and Julian James. Yep, that's fine. Because I thought, yeah, Alan Payne, if, if I wasn't being completely biased for this night, Alan Payne would have been in the running. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, they were all fantastic. Um, one of the few times I actually enjoyed the Helter Skelter gimmick. I know you're a big fan. Best music in wrestling. Definitely good music, that's for sure. Oh, you're going to say some Aussie wrestler has better music than that? Oh, come on, man. It's Sandstorm. He comes out (laughs) to Sandstorm. What's better than that? (laughs) J-X-T. Yeah, and he has, like, the, like, rip-off, like, NWO voiceover as well. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, oh, I suppose I should go to the fridge and uh, get a six-pack or so out. Um, so what do you rank Ballroom Brawl, Alex? Uh, you can grab grab out a six-pack for me and just leave two beers in the fridge. I'm going to give it four beers. Yeah, this is this is sort of tough for me to rank because... I remember really enjoying both shows at the time and then with hindsight sort of coloured that a little, but I think if as long as you're aware what's going on going into these shows and again, we're not in any way condoning anyone's actions in any way, shape or form. Um, I'm just going to go with like what I gave him at the time. So both nights I gave four beers. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was a really good show. 
as a standalone show, as long as you understand that some of these people on here are real pieces of you-know-what, and you understand it, you're educated to it, you know what's going on, that's cool. If you don't understand it, look into it, educate yourself. Um, but yeah, this show, standalone, fantastic. Uh, I loved the ballroom brawl from start to finish. I thought it was booked really well, and sometimes rumbles are pretty tough to book. Uh, you can attest to that. <laughs> you, <laughs> yes. You've had to book one this year. Uh, don't you wait until I get my card and I go, Alex, you can have a World War Three. Oh, man. <laughs> yep. No, uh, already, it, it's know. Hulk Hogan, Sting, and Kevin Nash in three separate rings with... Uh, with 20 other jobbers in each ring. <laughs> I checked your roster. You have enough for everyone to do double duty plus another, I think it's, you'd need another 20 <laughs> off the free agent roster. Yeah. Unless I made it like a, uh, I could make it an intergender World War Three. <laughs> you could do a 30-man World War Three and just have 10 in each ring. Yeah, I, I thought about that because I'm eventually going to need to have a gimmick sort of like that to build to my big end-of-year Starcade event, so I've thought about it. When was World War Three traditionally held? Uh, November. Fall Brawl. Wasn't it? Fall Brawl? No, Fall that's War Brawl. Games. Yeah, Fall Brawl was War Games. Man, all right, spoiler alert, humans, I don't care talking about this. I don't <gasps> care about spoiling this, but in the next couple of episodes of Fruity's Ultimate Game Show, there's going to be a spring stampede, and I've realised how ridiculous it is, but I'm thinking about having the show after spring stampede be fall brawl. Yes, fall never comes directly after spring, but I need the gimmick from that pay-per-view. <laughs> Ooh. So, uh, apologies in advance. <laughs> um, so and that... also, I've done, like, a summer show followed by a spring show followed by a fall show. <laughs> it makes no sense. Ah, well, it could be worse. Yeah. Could have bash at the beach during winter. Well, I kind of did. <laughs> Wait, North American winter? No, no, not North American winter. But also having spring directly after, after summer on my fantasy thing's a bit weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, so with that being said, I suppose we should let you know what's coming out next time on Fallout Down Under. Sure. <laughs> 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 okay, I'll pull it up. Next time is my choice for the international review this month. It is Wrestle Kingdom number four from 2010 in the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, so... um. I'm very excited about watching this. Like watching some older New Japan's always, always a bit of a treat to be honest. So that's good. You didn't give me some rubbish shows yet. 
You've been picking some really good shows. I've been picking some questionable ones at times. Um, yeah. But we got Nakamura versus Takayama to look forward to. Um, man, we got Marafuji versus Tiger Mask. Goto versus Takashi Segura. Tanahashi versus Goshi Ozaki. No Limit versus Bad Intentions versus the Dudleys. Yeah. Masato Tanaka and Tajiri versus Seigi Gun, which is Yuji Nagata and Aki Bono. <laughs> Aki Bono? From WrestleMania 21 when they put Big Show in a sumo outfit. Um, okay. My... <laughs> Off the top of my head, my dates are a bit rusty. WrestleMania 21, what year? Wait, two. 2005. So this is Wrestle Kingdom. Five years after. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. um, yeah. How was he in the big show match? It was a sumo match. They, like, took the ropes down and they just did a sumo match and... He beat the big show in a sumo match and was never seen again. Oh. Hey, what was that that big guy they had a few years back because the king wanted um Yokozuna. Yeah, I can't even remember that dude's name, but yeah, he was never seen again either. They like to bring in sumos for one and done matches, I guess. Yeah. Um also on this Wrestle Kingdom four card. Um Apollo 55, the team of Prince Devitt and Ryusuke Taguchi versus Averno and Ultimo Guerrero, which will be an amazing match. And this Legends, like, eight-man tag. Go on. Just absolutely the most ridiculous match I've ever seen on paper. Uh, Manabu Nakanishi, Masahiro Chono, Riki Choshu, and Terry Funk. (laughs) <laughs> Terry Funk in 2010 I had no idea he was still wrestling then Forever Forever <laughs> In a match against Abdullah the Butcher <laughs> Outrageous And the team of Chaos Which at the time was Takashi Iska, Tomohiro Ishii And Toru Yano so we get to see some Yano versus Funk. Jeez. We get to be quite the match. Man. Like, I want to see Terry Funk do his, like, dizzy, like, over-the-top selling of a Tomohiro Ishii chop or something. Like, that's a real possibility. Yeah, Man. Man. Oh, you got Okada in the opening match of this card. What is it? Uh, it is the team of Segi Gun. Uh, sorry if I pronounce that horribly. Mitsuhide Hirasawa. Obviously, I have no idea who that person is. I'm sure they're fantastic. I'll find out. Uh, Hirasawa teaming with Super Strong Machine and Wataro Inoue against the team of... Oh, my God. This is so weird. Jushin Liger, Koji Kanemoto, and Kazuchika Okada. Liger Kanemoto? 
Yeah, Liger, Kanemoto, and and Okada. That sounds interesting. (laughs) This is like a really weird card to look back on. Yeah, well, it's only 10 years ago. Yeah, and I'm like so excited about watching this, to be honest. Yeah, I thought thought I'd give you a little treat heading into uh, November. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, my birthday month. Woo! Yeah. Yeah, I'm about to I'm about to turn WrestleMania play button. <laughs> oh, 31. Yeah. Oh, for your WrestleMania floor de leaf. No. You're 30. Oh, <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. I'm currently floor de leaf. I'm currently Cesaro winning the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. But I'm um, <laughs> I'm about to turn into Pat Patterson payday for the IC title. <laughs> oh my god, forgot about that. Roddy Piper's last WrestleMania. Um, oh, sad. Yeah, sad, but yeah, just something I remember. Um, I'm about to turn Dwayne Johnson and Ronda Rousey beating up Triple H and Stephanie. Oh. Oh, yeah, that happened because her and the four horsewomen were sitting front row, and when that segment actually happened, one of them had left to go to the concession stand. <laughs> I think it you might re- have been Shana. I- I'll leave this one for you because I know you're always someone that likes to bring up these sort of references. Uh, how was Ronda Rousey's shirt that night? It was over 9,000. <laughs> <laughs> That's... Oh, Sting. Oh, Sting, of course. I'm about to turn Sting. (laughs) You're about to turn the final (laughs) battle of WCW. Oh, my God. I still can't believe Sting lost that. Yeah, this is a battle of my WCW versus your WWF. Like, you even had DX versus then WO in this one. Man, there is... Scott Hall <laughs> took a back body drop on the outside <laughs> of that match, and Did I was dash... positive he was going to die. <laughs> Did it dash Terry's quad because he forgot his brace? Oh, yeah, he did do something that day. Yeah, something happened. Oh, oh man. Oh, you got Stardust in a ladder match. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, Daniel Bryan went from winning the title in the main event of the prior year's WrestleMania to winning the mid-card title in the first match of that year's main card of WrestleMania. Remember nine-card WrestleManias? <laughs> yeah, but the the Rock Triple H Stephanie segment was like half an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is the last WrestleMania where the women's title isn't defended. Oh, yeah, this is before... Oh, wow. Uh, um, this is a MCW Ballroom Brawl review podcast, I just remembered. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a shorter one this week. We've got to give them their money's worth. Yeah, yeah, I've got to give you all zero cents of your money's worth. Now we ain't phoning it in. This isn't uh, this isn't Kevin Nash at an indie show. 
<laughs> we're Which actually going to at Ring of Honor. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, I wonder if mean, that's like, on Honor Club. I don't know. Ring of Honor still have to earn a little bit more good faith from me to sign up to the Honor Club. It's possible Impact did it. They got my money now. Um, yeah, I suppose we should sign off for the week. Talk to you all next time. And remember, JXT, 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 JXT. JXT, JXT. Um, yes, I'm I'm a JXT Mark because he was nice to me at an indie show. <laughs> it's pretty much the main reason I'm a massive fan of him, and we both collect wrestling figures. So to end this podcast, I'm just gonna say JXT.